0: Listen. Listen. The world is talking. World Talk Radio, Studio A. If you were a Civil War soldier clutching an identification disk, who would you want to see in your last moments? The face of General McCollin, General Banks? General Grant? We'll find out what appeared on these discs when we return on Civil War Talk Radio. For the people in our military, it's a time of sacrifice and duty. That's why all four military aid societies have joined together to form the Armed Forces Relief Trust to help military families cope with financial and medical emergencies at home. With so many serving overseas, the need is greater than ever. You can learn more and donate at www.afrtrust.org. A message from the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. It's a wake-up call. It's time to get serious about preparation and to
1: understand that the threat is very real.
0: This is a message from the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. Recorded by Roger Kilfoyle, New York City Firefighter, the topic, getting serious.
1: It's irrelevant where you live or how many people live in
0: your community or other variables like that. It's, it's America. America's
1: the target, not just New York. We know there are some positive things that you can do to better prepare yourself and your family. It's simple steps to prepare yourself for events that may be out of your control. So, you know, having these little supplies together, you can prepare for problems that may happen.
0: Learn to be prepared at www.ready.gov or call for a free brochure, 1-800-BE-READY. That's 1-800-237-3239. A public service message brought to you by the Ad Council.
1: Listen.
0: The world is talking. World Talk Radio, Studio A. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, and talking today with Joseph Stahl, he's the co-author, along with Larry B. Meyer, of a unique book called Identification Discs of Union Soldiers in the Civil War. The subtitle is A Complete Classification Guide in Illustrated History. And when I first uh, heard about this book, uh, Joe had sent me an email about this, uh, and uh, I, I occasionally do get emails from authors or publishers uh, with books or ideas for books uh, or ideas for people who ought to uh, be on the show. And often they, they are, are of immediate interest, and I pursue them and hopefully get uh, get a good uh, conversation out of it. In this case, I have to admit, uh, and Joe and I have corresponded about this, my initial response was uh, was one of skepticism. The uh, The Civil War world is not unique in hobby worlds in attracting uh, people who are obsessive about uh, things of of increasingly less significance until they eventually know uh, everything there is to know about nothing at all. And in this case, my first thought was, hmm, the identification disks. uh, I'm not a coin collector, and I I don't feel the coin collecting bug. Uh, I I don't understand. Stand the the uh, satisfaction from from collecting these sort of things. On the other hand, I do collect other things. So I, 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 I'm not mocking coin collectors. Just pointing out it's not my thing. Uh, but when I got the book, uh, I, 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 uh, Joe and I corresponded. I said, "Well, you know, have your publisher send a copy. I'll take a look at it." Uh, being polite as ever, and uh, to my surprise, these. Discs are not just these inanimate uh, uh, discs that one could, if you choose, collect obsessively. But there is there's something more to them. They're, they they do each represent a a story, um, and uh, uh, they're well. They're, there's just something there. Um, how do we know the stories that go with these discs? Uh, we started talking about that a little bit in our first segment, uh, but. Tell us a little bit about how, how you research these individual uh, items in your collection.
1: Um, well, when I first see one, whether it's in an auction or I'm walking around in the Civil War show, one of the things that, that I have done, because as I said, I'm an engineer, so I work in sets, is I have some documentation uh, of which regiments I'm interested in, because uh, of where I lived, I, I tend to focus on regiments that were, At one of three major engagements second bull run antietam or gettysburg not that i won't collect an interesting disc if there's a neat story to go with it but i'm i kind of scope it down initially by that so when i see a a disc from a certain regiment, i have some idea why i might be interested in it because of where they serve and then the second place i go which lots of people do and i'm sure you're familiar with now is there's a There are two online systems that you can go in and get some what I would call preliminary information about a soldier. I mean, the the National Park Service has the Soldiers and Sailors Database, which will give you, yeah, a soldier enlisted uh, in approximately a date, usually, and a company. And then there's a commercial, uh, I guess you'd call database, that uh, if you sign up for, will give you... uh, when he went in, how long did he serve. Uh, Occasionally they'll give you information about if he was wounded or not, when he mustered out, uh, the basic preliminaries. And uh, based on that, I start to get interested. Uh, Since I like Antietam, I'm not necessarily going to be interested in a disc from a a guy, even though the regiment was there, if he enlisted in, in 1864. But the key thing is after you've got a disc, uh, to go, I personally was able to, since I lived in Fairfax County, go to the National Archives and pull the ser- soldier's records, his service records, and then depending on whether he filed for a pension or not, you can get his pension records. The service records are bimonthly reports that were filed by the, the company commander, theoretically, that uh, state any important events. So they say the key thing, is he present or is he absent? if he's absent, where is he, Uh, is he in a hospital, Uh, not infrequently, if he's in a hospital, they tell you which hospital he's in, Um, the date he left, dates of promotions, and as you can see, if you look through the book in Chapter 3 and you thumb through it, you can see some soldiers who, uh, it looks like they got in trouble with their officer and so they get fined, and there'll, there'll be notes that... So and so was fined 62 cents for lost ordnance, which free interpretation is his bullets got wet and he threw away without permission. Or he lost a bayonet and he got charged a, a nominal amount of money. Or he straggled on the march and he got uh, fined or his pay got docked. So you get this running bi monthly account of where the soldier was, not necessarily where, but if he was in a hospital. Uh, and whether he's present for duty, did he get any special assignments like uh, being a regimental cook? Uh, did he get assigned to the ambulance corps? Is he detached to the headquarters to be a guard? So you get a flavor for what he's doing and where he is. And then, of course, if he gets wounded, there will be medical reports. If he's captured, there there is supposed to be the report of when he got captured and where. And if he got then exchanged when he gets changed back, and where did that take place, and when did he report back to his unit? Uh, one of the things that's interesting is when some of those occurrences took place, uh, you had to pay for your own transportation. So you'll find uh, soldiers whose pays docked seven dollars and twenty-two cents for transportation, and sometimes they tell you, you know, from the Baltimore from Baltimore to Alexandria or where they're going.
0: So you really get a sense of, of who these people are as, as individuals in terms of their, right. their their military careers.
1: And then the follow-up is if if they filed for pensions, um, because it's a bureaucracy. And one of the things that people don't realize is that there were actually disability pensions starting in 1862. So if a guy got wounded in 1862 and lost a finger at Fredericksburg, In the summer of 1863, he he could start getting a pension of maybe $2 a month, which then over a period of time he would file, and depending on his age, they would increase, potentially, uh, and if his disability got worse or medically he got worse. And you see these records of him refiling for pensions for increases across the 1880s and 1890s and into the turn of the century, or his widow was filing, and each time, depending on the particular act under which it's done, he has to represent the evidence. Uh, usually has, may have to have a physical exam, or if he uh, was wounded, he has to get certification. So there'll be copies of letters written by the lieutenant of the, of the company that says, "Yes, I saw him get, <coughs> excuse me wounded." you know, at such-and-such such a date at Gaines Mill, or uh, or it may be his widows who's doing the same thing. Uh, as an example, one of the soldiers in the book in the uh, 87th New York, he passed away from disease, and his widow filed for a pension, or sorry, his mother filed for a pension. And to get a pension, she had to document that he sent her money to live on because his father wasn't able to farm the farm. So in his pension file were a half a, copies of half a dozen letters where he had written home, and as part of a letter it would say, I'm sending you $5 of my pay to help pay for bringing in, you know, the wheat or whatever it was. So you get these flavors of the people and their after afterlife and what's happened to some of them. Um, And, of course, when other people write recommendations, they sometimes write things that you would not expect to see. Uh, I have one soldier who's, there's a note in the end, he had passed away, and one of the notes was that he was a crotchety old bachelor who occasionally went on sprees. (laughs) So you get this this flavor of real people and uh, the arguments that may have gone on. And sometimes you get the person who is so close to an important event and misses it or is not there because he's in the hospital. And, again, you don't know these things until you get their service records and you start going through it. And, of course, sometimes you find the, the service record of the guy who enlists, served three years, says thank you very much, goes home, never got wounded, never got sick, and, and never got fined or anything. So it's, uh, that one can be kind of bland, shall we say.
0: Now, since these are pension records, you wouldn't find any Confederates among them. Um, and, indeed, you have the word Union in the, the title of the book. Were there Confederate identification disks?
1: No. It's, uh, it's very interesting that uh, part of my background is, the reason I do this, is I put on displays at Civil War shows, my, parts of my collection with a theme. And a number of years ago, I've, there's a big Civil War show in Richmond, and the curator of the Museum of the Confederacy came over and saw my display, and we stood there talking, and he said, had I ever seen a manufactured like this disc for a Confederate? And I said, no. Had he ever seen one? And he said, no. We had both have both seen what I would call made-in-the-field identification, and I don't want to say disc because it weren't necessarily a disc. Uh, I've seen a couple where a soldier... Took a bullet, which is soft lead, hammered it flat, and scratched his name in it and his company, and was that was found reportedly found in a campsite, you know where the Confederates camped in, whatever date period was appropriate. But there seems to have been, if you think about it, the as you alluded to earlier, the industry to do this was focused in the North, Connecticut, Boston, uh, Chicago. So there doesn't seem to be any manufacturing capability in the South. And the other thing is that the materials that they're using to make these, uh, the Confederacy had much better uses for in the sense of they were using brass for cannons and things like that. So there was just a basic metal shortage.
0: Now You mentioned a couple times uh, just now about appearing at Civil War shows. Yeah. Uh, for the benefit of listeners who've never been to one, what, what is a Civil War show? What does it look like, and what goes on?
1: Um, depending on the size of the show, there may be anywhere from 50 to 300 8-foot-long uh, tables, like uh, you see, where dealers or collectors display um, Civil War items. It may be letters, it may be bayonets, it may be buckles, buttons, um, and usually you pay an admission, $3, $7, whatever it is, You know, and you walk around and see what's there. And as I said, there are dealers who will be trying to sell things, and there are also um, people like me who are collectors who are exhibiting our museums or the National Park Service or local historical societies will put on displays like Civil War Preservation Trust. Uh, one of the big Civil War shows is, is in Fairfax County, and uh, hosted by Northern Virginia Rally Hunters, and there are, they always set aside a number of tables so nonprofit people like that can come in and solicit uh, new members and, and things like that. And you can walk around and not spend a dime, and it's very educational. And people like me are are there to to talk about our subject and educate the public and hopefully get the public or the general public interested maybe in collecting from a personal perspective, but also in the Civil War. And it, as I said, it goes the gamut from muskets to swords to to now, as you alluded to at the very beginning, this is a, this is a small subsegment. So in a typical Civil War show that you may only see five or six of these identification disks, unless there's somebody like me that's got a display because they're not that common. But buttons are and bullets, obviously, and uh, accoutrements, cap boxes, cartridge boxes, knapsacks. It runs the gamut of what people will collect and what there's interest in and how much has been documented. And and, and, and would manuscripts show up at something like this? People yes, letters? manuscripts and photographs, for example. And uh, I've done some displays with some of my manuscripts, and, and they're uh, – Usually I you pick a topic, and uh, it may be uh, I've seen displays where people had displays of particular types of muskets and then also had manuscripts from like the company, uh, records of what serial numbers went to which regiments and uh, when they were bought by the federal government, and uh, think how many did they order, and when did they get delivered. So it runs together. It's, as I said, we, we tend to... Re- Forget that. Even in 1860s, we had a significant bureaucracy which collected paper.
0: And do uh, do book dealers show up at these things?
1: Yes, you... yes. Quite frequently, there'll be a significant number of book dealers, and uh, so that's one of the things we talked about in the book. If you're if you see an identification disc and you're not sure, one of the things to go do is go take ten minutes and go over to a book dealer and see if there's a regimental history and see if there's anything. Written about that particular soldier or or is there a photograph of the soldier, which to me makes it even more interesting. I have a few cases where I've been able to match a photograph to a an identification desk and then you then you can look at the face or as I said in the in the preface, one of the things I've done is write a number of short, much shorter one or two page articles for magazines and uh, civil war times page in the the washington times newspaper here in dc and the gettysburg magazine where to be able to look at the face of the soldier and read his description that he's five foot six inches tall and has light hair and a light complexion and blue eyes and that he was a laborer um and those are some of the other things that you run across is the occupations before the war are often on the service records and harness maker and candlestick maker and it, it runs the gamut. It's, it's well, interesting. We will
0: what we'll do is take another short break now and, and talk more about these these discs and, and where one finds them. We'll do that with our guest Joseph Stahl. When we return on Civil War Talk Radio.